This morning, before we turn to Acts 16, and we hopefully will turn to Acts 16 because we've been there a while and I love Acts 16. And a little bit what I want to talk to you about from Acts 16 anyway, is we've talked about salvation there, specifically of the Philippian jailer, but there are several miraculous salvation stories in Acts 16. I want to talk to you a little bit about how you know you can be saved and how you know that you are saved. And so we'll look at that in a moment. But before we do, I do want to talk just for a moment about what's kind of going on in Israel. Because, I mean, this is just what I know. I know when kind of everything or anything that happens in Israel, we're just almost conditioned to be hypersensitive to that from a prophetic or biblical prophecy standpoint. And because the reason for that, most of you were raised that way. I was raised that way. And so we tend to overanalyze things. Maybe that's the best way to say it. So let me say this about what's happening in Israel right now. We cannot say that what is happening today in Israel is a direct fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Okay, but let me say this. We also can't say that it is not a direct fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Okay? You can't say it either way. Because you don't know. And guess what? Nobody else on this earth knows either. No matter what they will tell you, they don't know. And you know how I know that? Because they ain't God. And they ain't looking with His eyes. And they ain't working like He's working. Okay? So here's what I want to say. Be very careful in who you listen to and what they say. Because I've already heard this. And I've already heard just these guys that get up and they have just all this confidence in what they're saying. They don't know. And their pride and their arrogance in what they're saying should tell you something. Okay? Biblically. Because what does God hate? He hates pride. And He hates arrogance. And the Bible says He's at war with the proud. So be very careful who you listen to. Okay? Be very careful who you listen to. And like I say with everything, read everything and see everything through the lens of Scripture. Okay? Everything through the lens of Scripture. Because here's what I know. Ever since Jesus Christ left this earth and went to be with the Father in heaven, every generation of Christians since then has believed something. And do you know what they've believed? They've believed that Jesus Christ was going to return in their age or in their generation. Every one of them. And do you know why they believe that? Because the Bible tells us to believe that. That's why they believe that. The Bible is wanting us to know that Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth. He is. But every generation has believed that up until ours. And guess what's reality for every generation up until now? They've been wrong about that, right? Has Jesus Christ returned to this earth? No. Is Jesus Christ going to return to this earth? Yes. Now, will it be in our generation? Guess what I believe? 
Yeah, I believe it will, just like every other generation has believed that, right? I believe that with all my heart. I believe Jesus Christ will return and I will see him come back. I believe that. But again, because I believe that, when I see what's happening in Israel right now, what do I tend to jump for and lean into? Oh, he's coming. And he's coming tomorrow. He's coming today. Is that not what we do? Because it's excitement, it's anticipation, right? And so that's just what we do. But again, we don't know if what's happening in Israel right now is a direct fulfillment of Scripture and prophecy. We don't know. We don't know if it is. We don't know if it isn't. But here's the thing. Back in 1973, do you think people thought that was a direct fulfillment of prophecy and Jesus Christ was going to return when Israel was at war in 1973? Yeah, they believed that. Did Jesus Christ return then or any time in that time frame? No, he didn't. I mean, that's been several years ago. Okay, so what I want you to do is I want you to be biblical in your response. Biblical in your response. So let's talk about, just a little bit, about what Jesus says about His return and how we will know His return is getting near. Because we don't know when He's coming. And you know what? When Jesus Christ was on this earth, guess what? He didn't know. He didn't know when He was coming back. How do I know that? Well, He says it, right? I mean, He says it. He says only the Father in heaven knows. Now, here's a good question for you. Does Jesus Christ know now when He's coming back? Yeah, He does. Okay, let's talk about that one a second because this throws people too. Okay, when Jesus Christ was on this earth and when He was walking this earth... What was true about Him is true about us. Jesus was bound with time on this earth, right? Did Jesus have a birth on this earth? Did Jesus have a death on this earth? Okay? Have you had a birth on this earth? And have you not had a death, but unless He comes back, you're going to. hate to tell you. Okay? So we're bound by time, right? Is God bound by time? God is no boundaries. He is not bound by time. He's eternal. God blessed us with time, by the way, so we have an opportunity to be saved. We'll talk about that in a moment. But when Jesus was on this earth, He was bound with time, right? Because He was God in what? The flesh. Okay, He was God in the flesh. Okay, so while Jesus was on this earth, when He says, only the Father in heaven knows when that day will come, He meant that. But now is Jesus Christ bound by time? No, because He has been resurrected and He has ascended to the right hand of the Father and He is eternal because He is God. So does He know when He's coming back? I guarantee He knows when He's coming back because He's God. Okay? It's different when He was on this earth than while He's in heaven. Does that make sense? The same is going to be true for you, by the way. Are you going to be different in heaven than you are on this earth? I hope so and I know so. I know so. You're going to be different. Everything's going to be different. You're going to have a perfected knowledge. You're going to have perfected vision. Everything's going to be perfected just like Jesus Christ. Okay, so Jesus knows now when He's going to return. But guess who don't know it? You and me and nobody else. Even though they're confident in saying all these stupid things they say. They don't know. But Jesus is very clear about this. He tells us 
what it is going to be like when His coming is near. Okay? And He tells us that in Matthew 24, specifically. He says things other places, but Matthew 24 is very specific. And it's the second longest sermon He ever preaches in His ministry on this earth. Now, what's the longest sermon Jesus ever preached? The Sermon on the Mount, his first sermon, really, in Matthew 5, 6, 7. Okay, Sermon on the Mount's the longest sermon. And don't get it confused with where he preaches the sermon in Matthew 24, because he's on a mountain when he preaches Matthew 24, but he's on the Mount of Olives. Okay, when he preaches the Sermon on the Mount, he's up in northern Israel, so he's around the Sea of Galilee. But when he preaches the Sermon on the Mount, he's right outside of Jerusalem. And right after, and this is on a Wednesday, just before the cross, right after he goes in and condemns the Jewish leaders and basically says, guys, you're a bunch of whitewashed tombs. You have the look on the outside, but on the inside, you're a rotten corpse. And he condemns them for leading the Jewish people astray and leading the Jewish people not to believe in the Messiah, the Christ himself. And so he condemns them. And he looks at Jerusalem and he basically tells Jerusalem, you won't see me again until I come. And then him and the disciples are walking away and they cross the Kidron Valley and they're going up the Mount of Olives where they usually would sleep when they were in Jerusalem. And so the disciples want to know, when's all this going to happen that you've been talking about? When's the kingdom of God coming? You've been talking about the kingdom a lot. That's how you started this ministry. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And they want to know, when is the kingdom of God coming? Now they look at this through a different lens than we look at because they look at it through a Jewish lens. But they also look at it through a different lens than we look at it because this is before the cross and the resurrection. They don't know what's about to happen in the next few days. They don't know that Jesus Christ is going to be arrested and that He is going to be scourged and flogged to an inch of His life. They don't know that the whole world is going to turn their back on Him and cry out, crucify Him, and then they're going to take Him to a place called Golgotha and they're going to nail Him to a cross and hang Him up for the world to see and there He's going to die, the Messiah, their Savior. They don't know that. They don't know that He's going to be buried in a borrowed tomb. And they sure don't know that three days later, God is going to raise him from the dead. They don't know any of that. But Jesus is trying to prepare them for that. And something even greater than that, his return to this earth. And so he tells them what it's going to be like. And this is what he says. He says, guys, the only way I can explain it to you is like this. When a mom is pregnant, during that pregnancy, she's going to have birth pains. Now, we say it a lot like this. She has contractions, but they're pains, right, ladies? I've never experienced that, but y'all probably have if you had a baby. They're pains, right? Contractions is a sanitized way of saying it, I guess. But birth pains are contractions. Now, here's the thing about birth pains or contractions. You have those most of the way through pregnancy, right? I mean, of course, you have them probably not early, early on, but once you get a few months in, you start having some birth pains. You start having some contractions. 
Now, what's the thing about those birth pains and contractions? Early on in pregnancy, you'll have them, and then what happens? They go away, right? And they may go away for weeks. They may go away for months. But then the closer and closer and closer and closer you get to having that baby, what happens to those contractions? They become more frequent, and they intensify, right? Okay? The intensity becomes pretty stout. I can tell you that because my hand was nearly broken one day during one of those contractions. So I know. But even later on in pregnancy, even a week or so in before the birth, you can have a contraction and then they might stop for several days or even a week. But what are those birth pains and the intensity and the frequency preparing you for? A baby's coming, right? Okay, we have pretty good medical technology today. But do you know what we still have no clue about and what we're guessing about when a mom goes to a doctor, a gynecologist for the first time, and he tells her he, she's pregnant? Do you know what he's still guessing about? He gives her a date of birth, but do you know what that is? It's a pure guess is all it is. He ain't got no clue. He has no clue when that baby's coming. No clue. And if he tells you he does, he's lying. Now, they give you a birth date just so you can be looking forward to a day, and they can, if they have to induce, kind of go by that from an insurance and medical deal. But they don't know. No clue. So what has God instilled and built into the process so that you have a clue? Birth pains, right? So this is how Jesus tells the disciples it will be just before he comes. Just like a baby coming, just before Jesus Christ comes, there are going to be birth pains. And they are going to become more frequent. And they are going to intensify with great intensity just before He comes. So when you look at biblical prophecy, and when you look at what's happening in Israel right now, to me, this is a good way to look at it. Prophecy is almost like a puzzle. Okay, have any of you ever put a jigsaw puzzle together? Okay? When you first have that jigsaw puzzle and it's scattered all over a table and pieces are all over the place, you have no idea what the picture looks like, right? But then you start taking a piece here and a piece there and a piece here and a piece there and you start getting a little bit of the picture even though you might have a hard, huge hole right here that you don't know what's right there. But you can start seeing glimpses, right? That's what biblical prophecy is. So what, how I would describe what's happening in Israel right now, it's just a piece of the puzzle. Just like what's happening in Ukraine right now. Is just a piece of the puzzle. Just like what's happening in Morocco that we have been praying for for weeks ago, an earthquake that killed thousands of people, that's just a piece of the puzzle. But when you take the pieces of the puzzle and you start putting them together, do we get a clearer picture of what's happening? Yeah. Now, do we still have huge holes? <laughs> yeah. But we can start to see, right? And so that's where we are from a biblical perspective in the coming of Christ Jesus. But I do believe with all my heart we're getting close. 
And so let's look at it just for a second so you can see why. So let's just read this and then I'll talk about it. But I want you to see what Jesus says, not what John says. So if you have your Bible, look there. Because I'm going to start reading in Matthew 24. And just look at verse 1. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, Do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished and not one stone will be left on top of the other. Okay, we know when that happened. Okay, that's in AD 70. Rome destroyed the temple that Jesus was talking about. Okay, so do you think the early church, when that temple was destroyed, thought Jesus Christ was about to come back very quickly in the end? Of course they did. So remember, what did I say? Every generation that has lived since Jesus Christ left this earth and ascended into heaven has thought that He is coming and He's coming quickly. What's the last verse of the Bible? What does the end of Revelation talk about? Come quickly, Lord Jesus, come. So Jesus says this. Yeah, that's going to happen. But verse... Three there. Later, Jesus sat on top of the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us when all this will happen. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? So Jesus told them, Don't let anyone mislead you. By the way, preachers can mislead you. You realize that, right? Be very careful listening to people who don't know what they're talking about prophetically. Be very careful. Don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end will not follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this is only the first birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested and persecuted and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many of you will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world. So that all the nations will hear it. And then the end will come. Okay. So Jesus tells us what's going to happen just before he comes. But what does he say? I won't come immediately. Okay, so he gives us six signs here of the return of Christ. Six things that must take place before he comes. Now the first one he talks about there in verse 4 and 5 because he talks about spiritual deception. He says, don't let anyone mislead you for many will come in my name claiming that I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Okay, many will be deceived. Now this deceit will happen in multiple, multiple, multiple ways. One of which is we will have antichrists, many of them coming, that will be preaching a false gospel. 
But there will also be deceit in the church. How do I know? Well, what happens when there's deceit in the church? Do people fall away? Does Jesus not say many will fall away? Yeah. So there's going to be deceit within the church. Okay, now remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about the intensity and the frequency of this happening, and that's how we know it's getting close to the return of Christ Jesus. So is there spiritual deception on this earth right now? Yeah, there's spiritual deception on this earth right now, big time. Is there spiritual deception within the church right now? Oh, yeah. The largest evangelical church in America right now is in Atlanta. Last week, they hosted a conference uh, for families that have children that are LBGTQ or homosexual or transgender or whatever. And these are Christian families that they're trying to minister to. This is North Point Community Church. Andy Stanley's the pastor. That's Charles Stanley's son. And so in and of itself, I mean, the conference is good because there are a lot of Christian parents who have children who are homosexual or LBGTQ or transgender, and they need to be ministered to, and they need to be taught Scripture, and they need to be prayed for, right? Yes. If you don't say yes, yes, they do. Okay, so in and of itself, thank God for that. But here's the problem. Dr. Stanley or Andy Stanley brought in a lot of speakers and they had a lot of different breakout sessions. Some of the speakers that he brought in were gay Christians. He even had two speakers who were two men that were married. Okay, is that deceptive? Biblically, that's very deceptive. Okay, so a lot of the deception that is happening and is going to happen happens with good intent. But what happens when you don't stand upon the Word of God no matter how good your intentions are? The foundation beneath your feet crumbles, right? That's why you have to stay very, very, very close to Scripture. And you better be very, very careful who you listen to teach that Scripture. Because they can say things and they can twist things and they will make it sound great and you will probably believe it. Especially if you don't know the Word of God. Correct? So will many fall away before Christ Jesus returns, even from the church? Yeah. What happens to these disciples he's talking to just in a day? When he goes to the cross, how many of them standing with him at the cross? One. John's it. They fell away, right? Why? Because when things get hard, guess what happens? People don't like it. We're going to talk about that in a second. But I do want to say this too because this is very important in the day in which we live. Especially, and I think this plays a huge role into the return of Jesus Christ, especially with deception and spiritual deception. You've probably all heard a lot of different things, if you watch the news much, about AI or artificial intelligence. Okay. From a biblical spiritual sense... What can happen now with artificial intelligence or AI is going to be very deceptive for the church. And Satan is going to use it 
to lead a lot of people astray. And so just, there's middle, this is multi, multifaceted, but just one example. And when I tell you, you have to be very careful. Okay, now we know that there have been some criminals that are using artificial intelligence to do things like this. They can take a voice of like one of your children and they can use artificial intelligence and they can make that voice basically say whatever they want it to say. So they can get this voice like from a Facebook post or an Instagram post or a YouTube video or a TikTok video. So it's pretty readily available, right? For most of your kids, especially the younger generation. And so this has happened all over the world, especially in America. They will take the voice of a child, they will call a parent, and they will make that through artificial intelligence, through computers, they'll make that voice that is the voice of your child tell you that they've been kidnapped, abducted, and they need you to give money, and this is how you wire money, blah, blah, blah. It's not true. Your child might be sitting right next to you, but you're hearing them on the phone say this. What does that do to you? Well, it puts you panic, it puts you in fear, right? Okay, that's easily available today, easily available, and even a criminal not very sophisticated can use it. Okay, so let's just take me for an example. Okay, there's a lot of YouTube videos of me online right now, right? A lot of them. Okay, what type of vocabulary do you think they have from me when I preach? Any word they want, right? They have my audio, my voice, my video, my face. They have it captured. I would say, what can they do with that? Well, from a video perspective, from a voice perspective, they can make me say anything they want to. So can they make me preach a false gospel even if I don't preach it? You better believe they can. So you literally could get a video from me, not really from me, but you thinking that it's from me, saying that you need to trust XYZ when I never said that and I don't believe that. But are you going to believe it? Probably. Why? Because, well, it's Pastor John saying it. But am I really saying it? No. Does that change your perspective of deception in the world in which we live? If it doesn't, it should. Is that not scary? So if they can do that for me, can they do that for political leaders? You better believe they can. So do you understand what Jesus is saying about the intensity and the frequency of deception? Did the disciples 2,000 years ago know anything about artificial intelligence? Nope. Did they have a cell phone? Nope. So, let's think about this. How is Jesus going to describe what's going to happen to them when they don't even have a computer or a cell phone? And he's going to, well, let me tell you about AI, guys. Can he do that? So think about the generations he's talking to through these words in Matthew 24. He's talking thousands and thousands of years in generations of followers of Christ. So how does he tell you this is what it's going to be like? Well, he gives you an example of a mom giving birth. 
You see the genius of that? I mean, it's incredible. Because it speaks to every generation, right? Every generation understands a mom giving birth and the intensity and the frequency of birth pains, right? Every generation understands that. So this is how he's teaching. This is what it's going to be like just before I come. There is going to be rampant, rampant spiritual deception. But there's going to be more than that. The second sign he gives, he tells us about wars, military conflicts. This is what he says in verse 6. And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end will not follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Okay. Is that happening today? What's happening right now in Israel? A war. This is the first time since 1973 that Israel has declared war. Now, have they had skirmishes? Have they had battles in those years? Many of them. Many of them. But have they ever declared a war? Nope, not since 1973, the Six-Day War. Okay, so are wars happening today? They're happening everywhere. Are you hearing about threats of war? What do you think China's doing right now? I can tell you what China's doing. They're about to invade Taiwan because this is perfect opportunity. Because where is America's intentions now? It's on Israel and it's on Ukraine and where are we sending tons of money and tons of ammunition? One load just got to Israel today, by the way. We can't produce enough. So they know that and they know we can't do jack diddly squat about Taiwan. And so what are they going to do? I guarantee you they're going to invade Taiwan. This is perfect time for it. They've been hinting at it for years and decades anyway, and they've even been preparing for it within the last two years. Even preparing Taiwan for it by cutting off internet and electricity and all kinds of stuff. Okay, so are you going to hear about that? Yeah, you have a cell phone, you have news, you have a TV. So are there going to be more wars and more threats of wars? Yes, but what's going to happen as we get closer to the return of Christ? It's going to intensify. It's going to intensify. And it's going to get closer and closer and closer. But not only that, we're also going to have natural disasters. Look at verse 7. There will be famines and there will be earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this is only the first birth pains with more to come. Now the word there that is translated in the New Living anyway for famines is pestilence. That's how the King James, I think, says it. But what the word's basically talking about, yes, it's talking about famines. It's talking about widespread chaos, basically. But it's also talking about disease and pandemics. Again, go back to Jesus sitting with the disciples on the Mount of Olives, trying to tell them when the end's going to come. Do you really think he's going to say, hey, guys, let me tell you, about COVID-19. Are they going to know what COVID is? Are they even going to know what a virus is? No. But have we had an increase in pestilences lately? I mean, COVID was a worldwide outbreak, a worldwide pandemic that affected every part, every corner of the earth, right? When's the last time you could say that? Never. Never could you say that. So are the birth pains becoming more frequent and more intense? Yes. 
They definitely are. Okay, we prayed about this a few weeks ago from a natural disaster perspective. An earthquake in Morocco, North Africa. There are things like that that happen all the time. What about the fire in Maui? When's the last time you saw something like that? Okay, all of these things, remember, are a piece to the puzzle, right? They're little pieces to the puzzle. Now, does the fire in Maui mean that Jesus Christ is coming back tomorrow? No, but when you put it together with the larger puzzle and all these pieces, what does it mean? Well, you're starting to see a clearer picture, right? Does that make sense? That's what Jesus is doing for us. And that's what's happening right now when we have pestilences and natural disasters and famines that are happening all over the world. That's going to be a sign. But here's a fun one. Look at verse 9. Then you will be arrested. You will be persecuted. And you will be killed. And you will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. Okay. It's a personal pronoun there, right? And you know who that personal pronoun is personal to? You. Me, if you follow Jesus Christ. Okay, does that leave any of us out? No. He doesn't say, my Christians who live in Israel will be persecuted or hated. He doesn't say the Christians that live in Indonesia or North Korea. You Americans are going to be left out of this, guys. Glad I'm an American. But that's the way we think, right? Well, you don't say it, but that's the way we think. But does Jesus say that? No, he says you. It includes you, by the way. You will be arrested, you will be persecuted, and you will be killed. Now, we haven't seen that in America yet. To a larger extent. A little bit persecution here and there. But is it coming, and is it coming quickly, and is it going to come with more frequency and more intensity? Yeah. Have you seen some of the rallies in the United States of America for the Palestinians? And what's happening there? There's some large rallies in New York City, Dearborn, Michigan, on a lot of college campuses, a lot of college campuses. The homosexual community, we're standing with Palestine. Black Lives Matter posted yesterday, we stand with Palestine. Okay, have you seen what the Palestinians are doing to Israelis? Have you seen the pictures of babies burnt to death? Have you seen them beheaded? Have you seen that? How in God's name could you stand with that? Is that not evil? Okay, is that happening in America? People standing with that? Do you not think they would stand with that if it was a follower of Christ that was beheaded? Or their family that was destroyed and burnt alive? Of course they will stand with that. So is persecution coming? Of course it's coming. And you will be arrested. And you will be persecuted. And guess what? Some of you will be killed. He's talking to followers of Jesus. This must happen. We don't like that part of prophecy, do we? We try to get around that part of prophecy. You know how we try to get around that part of prophecy? As Americans, as the West? Boy, thank God for the rapture. Is that not what it is? Of course that's what it is. That is a Western theological belief 
that the rapture comes before anything bad happens. It ain't biblical, is it? No, it's not biblical, because you can read it for yourself. Did Jesus say it? Don't think I'm saying it. Jesus is the one saying it here in Matthew 24. He said it, not me. So we don't get a free card out of this stuff. We suffer with Jesus Christ. Because what do you do as a follower of Jesus Christ? You've got to pick something up as a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus says it. Do you know what it is? It's a cross. Well, what happened to Jesus Christ on a cross? It wasn't that he just got to sit there and watch what happened. He died upon it. And so what does Jesus say is going to happen to you? Now, I don't like this part of prophecy. And I don't like telling you this because it's not what I was taught. Not what I believed for a long time until I started reading the Bible for myself. But we don't get a free pass. And listen, this is just reality of the way God does things. For people to be saved, guess what has to be present? The church has to be present. In 2,000 years of history, how have people been saved on this earth since Jesus Christ ascended into heaven? Well, he tells you, Acts 1.8, then you will receive power. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, until the ends of the earth. Who's you there? Same you he's talking about in Matthew 24. It's followers of Christ. It's you and me. And so no one can be saved on this earth without the church and without the witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how God set it up. Guess what? No one can be saved without the Holy Spirit, right? Salvation is the work of the Holy Spirit. He is the one that convicts the world of sin and of righteousness of coming judgment. Well, guess where the Holy Spirit is? In you. In you as a follower. You are the temple. You are the Holy Spirit. He's living and residing in you. So if we're raptured out of this place and we get out of here before it gets bad, what's impossible? Salvation's impossible. Are people going to be saved during the tribulation time period? Of course they are. The Bible says it. How can it happen without the church? Someone tell me that, please. It can't. It cannot happen apart from the church. can't happen. So do we have to be here? We have to be here. Now, I don't believe we're going to be here through all of it, thank God. And we talked a lot about that when we talked about Revelation. But if you keep reading Matthew 24, he talks about what's going to happen. He says, guys, it's going to be so bad and everyone will die unless the time is shortened. But do you know what Jesus says? The time will be shortened for who? For you, for your father, for my followers, for God's chosen ones. So we talked about that, mid-trib and all that stuff. But I'm just telling you, it's going to get bad. And now you're seeing what radicalized Islam does to a Jewish people. Do you not think they want to do that to Christians as well? Of course they do. So sometimes go read about Shia Muslims and their beliefs. That's who surrounds Israel right now. That's Iran who's funding all this. That's Syria. That's Hamas. That's Hezbollah. They're Shia Muslims. And they believe 
with the persecution and the killing of Jews and Christians that they usher in the coming of their prophet. That's what they believe. What do we ushers in the coming of our prophet? Killing people? Giving them life, the gospel, Matthew 24, 14. Do you see the difference? Do you see what Satan does and how he twists things? But that's what's happening in Israel right now. And if you don't think it's going to happen here, you're crazy. How many Shia Muslims do you think we have led into this country in the last five years? We have no clue. We have no clue. So yes, we're going to be persecuted. Here's the fifth thing. Oh, I'm already over time. Here's the fifth thing. There's going to be apostasy. He says, And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. Is that happening in the church in America? <laughs> I could talk about that one all day. So yes, it's happening. Go read what Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. We read that not long ago as a church. So that's happening everywhere. And what leads to that, by the way? What leads to people falling away? What leads to the love of many growing cold? Persecution leads to that. Because what's easier than persecution? Well, I can be a closet Christian and I can not say anything and I can just go with the flow and keep my head down and everything will be okay. No, you can't. Not biblically, right? That's what leads to it. So when persecution comes, what happens? People fall away. Persecution is always what separates the wheat and the tares. It's what does it. Jesus talks about that in Matthew 24 and 25 too, by the way. Okay, one last thing. This is the best part of the end. The last sign of Jesus coming Christ is worldwide evangelism. Look at verse 13 and 14. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Again, remember, we're talking about frequency. We're talking about intensity. Do you realize that on this earth right now, more people are being saved than any point in the history of the church? Do you realize that? Do you realize one of the places where more people are being saved than anywhere on this planet right now is Iran? Now, isn't that a little interesting with what's happening in Israel today? Is worldwide evangelism or people all over this earth hearing Jesus preached? You better believe it. Now when he says all nations will hear it, does that mean every person on this earth will hear the gospel? I don't believe that. I wish that, but I don't believe that. But I believe all people and their people group, language groups, affinities, however you want to say it, they will hear and they will have an opportunity to be saved. And then what happens right after that? Then... Jesus Christ comes. Well, just like persecution leads to apostasy, you know what also persecution leads to? Evangelism. Go read the book of Acts. What have we been studying? We've been studying the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the kingdom of God is at hand. It is coming. So all these things play into the whole. So is what's happening right now in Israel important? Yeah, what's happening right now in Israel is important. So what should you do about that? 
Number one, you should pray about that. And you should pray fervently about that. But you should also trust. So let me just close with this since I'm already late. In Acts 16, we're reading about a church that's just being started, the church in Philippi. Of course, later, Paul writes back to them. We know it is the book of Philippians in our Bible. But listen to what he says to them in chapter 1. He tells the Philippian jailer. He tells Lydia. He tells the demon-possessed girl. This is what he says. He says, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven. Conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Don't be intimidated by any of your enemies. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for Him. We are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I'm still in the midst of it. Will we suffer for Jesus? Yeah. But aren't you glad that that's only for a momentary time in history? Because soon Jesus Christ will come back to this earth. Soon all the things we worry about, all the things we stress about, all the things we get depressed about, those things will be gone. And you know how long they'll be gone? Forever. Because we're citizens of heaven. And one day we'll be there. And one day we'll live there. And guess what else? One day we will reign there with Him forever and ever and ever. How do I know? Because that's what He tells me. He tells me that. So maybe you want to trust Him and what He says. And stand upon that. And then live the way He tells you to live. And if we suffer together for the good news... Praise God, we suffer together for the good news. Because guess who else suffered for the good news? Jesus Christ did, so that we can have it in the first place. And we stand together, and we fight to one end, and that is so people can know Jesus, because that's what God's told us to do. And until He comes again, don't waver on that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love You. Thank you.